Okay, Parshas Nayach. Um, once again, Parshas Nayach. So, I want to talk about one very interesting and beautiful idea that comes out from a number of different psukim and ideas in this Parsha, and that is the power of speech. The power of speech, and even further, the power of even how we think about things. And all too often, we, are, uh, we attribute significance to action, and what we do or what we don't do, but how do they say words are cheap or words are meaningless and all these different things that people say but the Torah really attributes a tremendous significance to words and to how we use our words positively and negatively and there's a number of um, references to that starting from this week's parsha. I want to go through a couple of them the parsha begins with the words Ela told us Noach Noach ish tzadik right? these are the uh, stories of Noach Noach was a tzadik Tamim he was complete in his generation, and Noach went with Hashem. Noach goes in the ways of Hashem. Now, this whole piece about Noach being a tzaddik doesn't seem to be very important here. I mean, he's telling us this is the story of Noach, and we already know he was a good man from last week's Parsha, and Hashem has already started the uh, process of the flood and everything. And yet, the Torah tells us again, oh, by the way, we're mentioning Noach, you should know he was a tzaddik, and tell me he was a complete man. So Rashi comments on that. And Rashi writes, Elo told us, Noyach, Noyach ish tzaddik, hoyil vihizkiroi siper bishvachoi. Being that he was mentioned, then the Torah wants to talk about his praise. Even though it doesn't seem to be important in the general picture, but when you mention someone positive, one should stop for a moment and say something good about the person. Shenemar, as the Pasik says in Mishle, Mishle's Proverbs, Beshlomah Malach, Zecher Tzadik Levracha. Interestingly, we normally use Zecher Tzadik Levracha when someone passed on. We talk about someone passed on, we say, Zechrono Levracha, blessed memory, or Zecher Tzadik Levracha. May the Tzadik be uh, mentioned for a bracha. But the real usage of it is not for someone who passes away. Now, there's nothing wrong with using it for someone who passes away. But here the Torah, Noach is very much alive. And Rashi is saying that from Mishle we learn, when you mention a tzaddik, don't just move on. Stop for a moment and say, you know, this person is a tzaddik. You say the extra three words. You know, stop the moment and say shavach. And then Rashi gives another explanation. Davar Acher, another reason, another explanation why it says here he's a tzaddik, is lilamedcha to teach you she'ikr till they say him shel tzaddikim maisim toivim. That the primary children, if you will, of tzaddikim is their good deeds. So it says, Ela told us Noach, these are the told us, the children, the stories of Noach, you should know primarily that he was a tzaddik. So that's the second explanation, which I'm not going to get into. Our focus is on the first explanation. Rashi is telling us this idea, that when you mention someone, you should mention a bracha about that person, something positive about that person. And again, I want to call your attention to the fact that we, when whenever we hear Zechot Tzadik Lebracha, we sort of assume the person passed away. But it's clear from this Rashi that that's not really the usage of Zechot Tzadik Lebracha. But rather, you mention a person, say a good word about them. It could them. be more than one usage. Yeah, no problem, no problem. But you know what I'm saying? This is a principle? The way commonly we use it is typically when someone passes away. Yeah. But Rashi here is using it not in that way at all. Similarly, we have in two parshas down the road, in parshas Vayera, Perak Yudches, Pasuk Yudches, there, the Pasuk says, it's uh, talking about, you know, after the angels came to Avram, and they told him he was going to have a son, and then the two angels went off to destroy Sodom. So then, the Torah says that Hashem says, let me tell Avram that the angels are going to go destroy Sodom. And we have the whole story where Avram is pleading for the people of Sodom. So the wording of the Pasuk is, 
Hashem says, Vavram hoya yi yelagoy godel va'atsum. Avram is going to be a great and, and mighty nation. And all of the nations of the land will be blessed through him. Now, and again, that whole little piece about Avram, like a little eulogy, doesn't seem to be in place. You know, we're talking about the destruction of Sodom. And Hashem says, I want to go tell Avram what's going to happen. And meanwhile, it says, and Avram is going to be this great nation, and everyone's going to be blessed through him. Why, Why does the Torah sort of go off in that direction? So Rashi again says, he says, the Medrash says, and again, based on that Mishli, Zecher Tzadik Lebracha. Based on the same Pasik and Mishli, you mention the Tzadik, give him a Bracha. Say something positive about him. Being that he's mentioned, he's blessed. Again, even though it's not necessary seemingly in that Pasuk, but if you mention him, bless him. And then again, Rashi gives a second interpretation as well. Upshuto, a simple way of understanding it, is menu animalim. Hashem says, Am I going to hide this from Avram that I'm destroying Sidoim? He's so beloved before me. To be a great nation. All the nations will be blessed through him. So that the second explanation puts that in the context of the puzzle. Like, you know, I, I don't want to hide this from Avram. He's going to be so beloved and so great. I should tell him what I'm going to do to Sidoim. But in both places, both in this week's parsha in the beginning, as well as in Vayera, the first purish of Rashi, the first explanation is that when you mention someone positive, you should mention him for a bracha. And that is an important concept and something that's so applicable for all of us. You mention someone, say something good about the person. Right? It doesn't cost money to say something nice and say something good just because you mention someone. Now, that is in a positive way. We find another interesting teaching in this week's Parsha about the power of speech. A very, uh, in a different way, but a very powerful, te- powerful teaching. And that is, when Noach is told to take all the animals into the ark, into the teva, he said to bring all the animals, the pure ones and the impure ones. The wording of the Pasuk, and that's in the third section over here, is, take from the pure animals, and take from the animals that aren't pure from the birds, all of the crawling species on the ground. But there's something interesting about this pasuk. Normally, when we say we would say take from the behemah tahora, or what's the opposite of the behemah tahora? Behemah tamea. The Torah doesn't say that. It says take the pure ones and take the animals that aren't pure. So the Torah is sort of going out of its way not to use the word tummy. So tell me the animal, it's an impure animal, big deal, right? But no. And the Gemara has a whole piece on this Pasuk. The Gemara Masechta Pesachim, on the next line, Dav Gimel close to the beginning of Pesachim, says, Da'amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Yeshua ben Levi was one of the great, one of the last um, of the Tanoim, of the sages of the Mishnah, one of the great sages of the Mishnah. It says wonderful things about Yeshua ben Levi. Um, one of the things it says about him is that he was one of those Sadiqim that says, he entered into Gan Eden, just that's how he passed away. He just jumped into Gan Eden without dying and being buried. The, the, there are Madrashim about a few tzaddikim like that. Of course, the most famous is Eliyahu that's described in the Pasuk. But aside from that, the Medrash talks about 10 such tzaddikim throughout history. One of them is Rabbi Yeshua Levi in a long, fascinating story of the Gemara that we won't get into. But Rabbi Yeshua Levi is this great tzaddik. And he said, a person should be careful not to say anything that is unclean 
or unholy or impure from one's mouth. And his proof is from this pasuk. He says, Sheri ikem hakosov shmeina isiyes. The Torah went out of its way and said eight extra letters in order not to say the word Tomei, right? Because if you count the letters, it could have said right? Instead it says which he does the calculation is eight additional letters. You know, every letter in the Torah is so exact and every word is so precise. But the Torah says, no, it goes out of its way and the word Ikem literally means gives this roundabout a way of saying it. So that this week's parsha becomes the source of this concept of trying to speak in the cleanest and pure and most refined way possible, not to use words that have a negative connotation, even though it's the truth. It's, it's, an, it's an animal that's tummy, but it's better to say it's an animal that's not tummy. I know that, that uh, anyone who follows the, the Rebbe's uh, the recordings and audios. He was amazing in this. He, he did. He would say, he would say, there, there's, he would say the, the yidin and the not yidin. Yes, okay. That's how he always spoke. Right. He never, and you know, he said there is good and not good, and this parsha has blessings and not blessings. That's the way he always spoke. You would hear talk about goyim. You never heard goyim. You know, goyim. You didn't hear curses. You didn't hear talk. Anything. Really? He would always say the positive and something which is not that. Right? It's tahir and not tahir. Yid and not a yid. Good and not good. You didn't hear bad, tamay, goy, all of those things that we take so for granted. Himamish didn't say it. And really, that's what the Gemara is saying. That, that, that a person who's careful with their speech wants to use their mouth and say good things. And even when we're describing something, we'll use a way to describe it without using the negative word, if not absolutely necessary. Right? So that is just another, in a different way, the power of speech. Just like we learned earlier, we're talking about someone. Say good things about someone. Similarly, we're talking even about an animal. And the animal is impure, so say it's not pure. Instead of using the word for tuma. Okay? Um, another interesting thing in a Gemara. The Gemara says in Masechta Erechen. Masechta Erechen is one of the last Masechtas in the Talmud. And there, Tesvav Amalbeis, 15b. It says, and this is a pretty famous concept. It says, Bimarava Amri. When the Gemara would say, in the Mairiv, they taught, Mairiv was Yerushalayim. Because the Gemara is written in Bavel, which is Iraq, the and the West is, is Eretz Yisrael. So they said, in Bimarava Amri, Lashen Tlisa'i, the triple words. Now, Lashen Tlisa'i is a code for Lashen Har. Why is it? Yes. Why is Lashen, the word Tlisa'i is three. Why is Lashen Har a three? Because typically, I'm talking to you about him. So Lashon Har is usually three people involved, at least three people. And I'm going to talk to you about him, so there's three of us. Says the Gemara, Lashon Tlisoi, Kotl Tlisoi. It really kills all three. All three are, are, can, can be terribly hurt through Lashon Har. Hayrig Lemesaprei, Ulemekablei, Ulemrin Allah. Lashon Har can kill the one who said it, the one who received it and the one who they spoke about. That's what the Gemara says. All three lose out of the deal. I said the one they spoke yeah. about. Excellent. Right. And that's exactly where we're headed. But that's what the Gemara says. The Lashonara hurts me, it hurts you, it hurts the one we spoke about. And the Rambam, in his Laws of Deus, Perik Zayn Halacha Gimel, brings this Gemara in Halacha. He says, Lashonara kills all three. The one who says it. Hamikabla, the one who receives it, 
and the one who it was said about. And who's the worst? Who's the worst of the three? So typically we always think the worst is probably the one who said it. Rambam says no. To receive it. He says, why are you listening? Why are you receiving it? Why are you accepting it? Don't listen. But that, that's another point. But the obvious question is, the one who was said about, what did he do wrong? You know, he's an innocent victim. Right? It's on a very simple level. Yeah, he's an innocent victim, but he's a victim. Right? Because we're spreading bad rumors about him that's going to hurt him. But the question is, it doesn't seem right. The Gemara seems to be putting them all in the same, equating them. The one who said the Lashon Hara did something wrong. The one who heard the Lashon Hara did something wrong. The one who spoke about, never. You know, he's a victim. Why is he equated with these three? And here we have... He gets hurt. But, but it, would seem, it would seem, it's so, it should be very different than the other two. The other two are doing an Avera. They're, they're um, participants in the Avera. He is going to be hurt because someone's hurting him, but how do you equate him with those who are doing something wrong? How, how does he even know? So he doesn't necessarily, but if, you know, if there's bad things going on around him, it can come, it can come around to haunt him. But again, the question here is, it would, because we're equating the three, it would seem that all three are sort of similar. similar. But really, the two guys are doing something bad, and he's a victim. How are you, and why would you be equating them? What are you talking about? A cotton, a shaita, and a... Chera, shaita, and a... Yeah, they put them in packages. Right, right. There's many times we have that equation. They're the same kind of... So that's for the reason. So so here we have a very interesting idea. And that is the following. And it it talks about... It goes to what we're talking about tonight, the power of speech. When we believe like this, speech has the power to reveal. Right? When I'm speaking about something, I'm actually revealing something. When I'm sitting with, with, with Avram, and we would never do this, but just for the sake of example, and we're talking badly about someone else, and that yeah, person is not even... Why right? didn't you tell him that? that, that not, not someone here. It would be, you know, Abe or someone. Someone who's not here. Oh, we'll be recorded. Okay, so what happens? So we think we're just, you know, we're, we're talking bad things about him. Because there's power to speech, so those words are eliciting badness in that person. In other words, every person has within themselves, you know, better parts and negative parts. Everyone has, everyone has all parts of them. When we talk about his bad things or bad things that he may have done or whatever, that actually is empowering the badness within that person and bringing it to the fore, revealing it. So that he is actually someone who's negatively impacted by the fact that you and I are talking badly about him, though he's across the world. He's not even here, doesn't know about it. Because he doesn't know about it. Right. Without without knowing. And this is the, the, the point that we're talking here is that we, because we're very physical, we only see, you know, did, did you hit it or you didn't do it? We sort of attribute significance if something physical happened. In in the spiritual aspects of this world, speech has power. And words create. We don't see how they create. We think, you know, words are cheap. They didn't do anything. I said something and disappeared. The amnesty, though, is just like there is the Olam Hamaisa, the physical world and physicality, there is the truth to speech, there's the truth to thought, and they, are, they, have, they have power to them. And when we talk negatively about someone, that talks to the negative powers within that person and reveals them. So that that person has a sense of negativity that's more revealed. And when we talk positive about a person, that reveals their positivity. Today they tell you all the time, especially in psychology, 
when you talk to a child, you could, you could, you could. Saying those words helps reveal the goodness within a person. Putting a person down helps push down that person. Definitely in front of him, and even when not in front of him. And that's the Chiddush of this concept. And that's what we have right in the next line. The power of speech is to reveal that which is hidden. Both within a person themselves, when we speak, we reveal what's in our minds. And also outside of ourselves, speech reveals. Both negatively and positively. The power of positive speech, we started out with positive, Zecher, Sadiq, Levrach, I mentioned someone, let me say something good about them, that actually empowers their goodness, and the power That's of the negativity. This is the, I said, how does it happen, and this is the Raya. Okay, it's all, they're all right. Right? That's so correct. Right, That's correct. Because the bracha helps. Words will right? the guy See, in the if, other side of the world. If you and I are sitting by the table and we say, Lachaim, that that Yitzhaver of Fuashalema, Lachaim, that the you know, Hashem should protect the soldiers in Eretz Yisrael, that we believe that words have power and have koyach. And here, I'll tell you a beautiful, the last line of the first part, I don't know how much we'll get to tonight, has a beautiful story about the Balshamtov. Balshamtov, of course, the founder of the Hasidic movement. And the Baal Shem Tov was once sitting in his, and he was known as a miracle worker and so on, and sitting with his disciples, and they heard two people got into a fight. And one people screaming at the other person, he said, I'm gonna rip you up like I rip up a fish. That's what he told his friend. And the Baal Shem Tov turned pale. And he told his disciples, his closer disciples, to come closer to him. Now today we know one of the ways, of the, one of the best ways of teaching is not the way I'm doing it, but visuals, right? You put on a video, a smart board, or whatever it is, visuals. The Baal Shem Tov did visual teaching sometimes before this was all invented. He had basically everyone close their eyes and they put their, their hands on each other's shoulders. And the Baal Shem Tov put his two hands on the shoulders of the two disciples next to him. He said, everyone close your eyes and you'll see something. And suddenly they all started screaming with fright. What happened? They all saw a vision of those two people, and one person was ripping the other person up to pieces. Physically, they saw him being ripped up, they were screaming, they never saw something that was cruel in their life. And the Bashan said, you can open your eyes now. They opened their eyes, and <laughs> it was just a vision. But he told them like this, he said, when one person tells another person, I'm gonna rip you up, and the level of speech that happens. See, again, we don't attribute so much significance to speech, because we're physical. In this world, did it happen or didn't happen? So what if you said it? But in this world, there's realms, there's speech, there's thought, and each one is true in its realm. And the Baal Shem Tov gave them that lesson of the power of words. He said he's going to kill him. On a, on, a, on a verbal level, he killed him. And you have to be careful with those words. Right? I, I, um, I was six years old. And, and I, I remember this lesson very well because I was six years old and I got into a fight with one of my friends and I hate to reveal this but I, I said I'll kill you and my Rebbe my teacher made me I don't know write this story of the Baal Shem Tov I don't know a hundred times or something <laughs> so he, he brought it he brought it home you don't say things like that because although yeah I just said it words are cheap but no words are very very powerful and we have to be careful with them and that's really everything that we learned here so far is about the power that we might not a trip, big deal. So I said it impure. I said he's, he's a god. I said he's, he's this. I just said it, big deal. But no, words carry power positively and negatively. Okay, we have a few minutes left, so I want to try to hop around one last idea. And that is that not only words are powerful, but even the way we think about things is powerful as well. And that's also from this week's Parsha. So in the end of the Parsha, we have a, you know, one of the, this Parsha is full of tough stories. 
So one of them is Noah finally comes out of the ark. It's after the year of the flood. Noah gets drunk. He gets drunk and he gets silly and he gets naked. And he's laying in his bed naked. And his son, Chum, who's a bad guy, sees him and he comes out and tells him, dad is naked in the room. Drunk, naked. What the two, the two righteous sons, shame in the office, come to take a garment and they cover their father. And when Noah wakes up, he sees what's going on, he blesses them and he curses Chum. That's in the parsha. But the wording, let's look at the words. Shem and Yefes take the garment and they put it on their shoulders they walk backwards they cover the nakedness of their father their faces were turned and they did not see the nakedness of their father that's the Pasuk now there seems to be some redundancy here because it says they walk backwards so if they walk backwards why does it say that their faces were also backwards so Rashi comments in the next line, and he says, they walked backwards, but then when they came in, they had to actually cover him, so they turned their faces. Point is, they made sure not to look, which is fine. But then it says, they did not see the nakedness of their father. Well, if, they're, if they were walking backwards and their faces were backwards, obviously, they didn't see it. Why does the Pasuk have to add those words and they didn't see it? After the Pasuk goes through so much lengths to tell us they were walking backwards, they turned their faces. You know, clearly, you know, they don't have eyes in the back of their head. So if they're backwards and their faces are turned, they're not going to see. Why does the Torah finish with that? And the Torah, and here comes the message. It's not just they didn't see it. In their mind, mind's they didn't, eye. in their mind's eye, they didn't think of their father as, oh, look at the bad thing he did. He's so silly. He's so this. They didn't look at it at, as a fault. They didn't focus on the fault of his action. And that becomes, how do we look at people? We see someone did something wrong. So do we focus on that? Oh, that person is bad. That person did this or this. Or we learn from Shem and Yafis, not just we don't look with our eyes, even with our mind. We don't focus on the negative. When, when we have someone who we truly love, husband, wife, brother, sister, mother, father, everyone has imperfections. But when you love someone, you don't focus on them. You don't think about that. In fact, if you love someone and you hear someone else talking about that person's faults, you don't want to hear. Say, I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to know. That's not what I'm looking at. Because I love them. Just like we love, it our, we love ourselves and we don't focus on our, own, our, own, our imperfections. The Pasuk says, I'll call pishoim techase ahava. On all iniquities, love covers over. When we love someone enough, we don't focus on their negative. And in fact, I'll conclude, there's a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov again, and that's both in the Sefer Maori Naim, which was from the first Rebbe of Chernobyl, Rabbi Tversky's great-grandfather, and in the Sefer Tolos Yaakov Yosef, these are disciples of the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov says, when you look at another person, you're looking at a mirror. If you see faults, if you focus on faults, that means it's a mirror that you're seeing those faults within yourself. If you're clean, when you see other people, you see them clean too. Now, that doesn't mean to say that people don't have imperfections, but where do we focus? We focus on things that we relate to. Things that we don't relate to, we don't focus on. And that the Baal Shem Tov says we have to treat other people as mirrors, and when we see something there, we have to look inward and see in ourselves. And he says there, the purer one is, the less fault they see in others they automatically gravitate and focus to their purity. Because everyone has both. Everyone has beauty and purity, and everyone has faults. It's a question of, what am I going to focus on? And the more one is pure on their own, the more they focus on the purity in others. The more one is 
impure on their own, they'll focus and find the impurity within others as well. And that's the lesson of shame in Yafas. They didn't just not look with their eyes. They didn't look with their mind. They didn't focus. And therefore, if you put it all together, this parsha has so many lessons about how to talk and how to think. And though many times people sort of belittle this, so big deal, I thought. Well, you know, what, what effect can my thinking have? So I said, what effect can my th- speaking have? This parsha tells us, no, it's not only action that has significance, but the way we talk positively or negatively, the way we think positive, positively or negatively, has power as well. And this lessons from this week's parsha.